Okay, let's uh, continue our series in Colossians. So grab your Bible, turn with me to Colossians. So it's a few books after the four Gospels. And Steve kicked us off last week, looked at the opening verses. We're going to be looking at verse Jesus to 20 today. And the passage is all about Jesus. This is really why I just was keen to make sure we had enough time, because we're going to spend some time beholding Jesus and then going to sing at the end, respond in worship. And we all have different views of Jesus that are shaped by our experiences, shaped by our parents, shaped by our friends, shaped by those we've spent time with, things we've watched, things we've read, all shaped, shape our understanding of who Jesus is. The passage today is one of the most Christ-exalting passages in the whole. We've got a of Scripture. Okay, I'm a bit terrified. <laughs> We've got a privilege of, of really spending some time in it. But God is wanting to speak about his son this morning to us. He's wanting us to behold the greatness of Jesus Christ. And so I'll pray, trusting that Jesus will reveal himself. So, Father, please would you reveal your son. We want to see him in the beautiful and majestic way that you see him. Jesus, we love you so much and we do want to behold you. We want to enjoy you. We want to lift you up to the Hermione's place the place that you are, the place that you deserve to be in our hearts and our minds. Help us, Jesus. Amen. So the Colossians, they were a fairly new group of believers, quite a small group of people who had become Christians. They turned away from Judaism to Christ as their ultimate hope and salvation. But they were tempted to turn back to their Judaistic ways. They were tempted to turn away to other teachers, false teachers as well, and false gospels, things that would distort the truths of Christ and would minimize Christ in their hearts and error. So the passage we have today is a vaccine, if you will, against this error, against this disease that can come into our hearts of putting other things in the place that only Christ deserves in our lives. I just want to give a quick example. Uh, later on in Colossians chapter 2, Paul says, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. Okay, let's tune into this. They have lost connection with the head, that's Christ, ligaments, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. There's this picture in the New Testament of Jesus Christ being the head of the body, the church. And they'd lost connection with it. They'd, they'd minimized Jesus to another area of their lives, maybe just another God or another person who might be able to help them. But they distorted the truth of Jesus in their lives. We need to be protected from these truths, well, not these truths, these things that will get distorted in our lives. 
We need this vaccine of, a, of exalting Christ to our, so much in our lives and in our hearts that when other things come into play, when other things come into our lives, things through the media, things that we read and watch, that we're actually protected against that. We go, no, that's, that's nowhere near as good as Christ. I'm going to turn to Christ. Well, no, that's, that's just not true about who Jesus is. I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to let that shape my, my view of the world or the view of myself. Okay, so this is a wonderful passage. It's not hugely, there's not a huge amount of application in it. But hopefully when we go away from today, hopefully our hearts will have been stirred to exalt Christ and it will keep us walking with us throughout the rest of our lives. Okay, let's read it. So chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. The Son is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. What a treat. We're going to see today the supremacy of Jesus as God himself, the supremacy of Jesus over creation, and then that Jesus brings about a new age of a new creation, a new humanity, and a new physical reality for us. So first spawn, verse 15, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So no one has ever seen God wrote John at the start of the gospel. But God, the only Son, has made God known. He is the image of the invisible God. If you know your Bible at all, you've read the first few chapters of the Bible in Genesis, this will make you think of Adam and Eve. They were made in the image of God. Jesus is the perfect image of God. He's the perfect key, as it were, that fits the lock perfectly. Not just a replica, long way down the line. He's the distorted. It's not doesn't quite fit. You have to jangle it around a bit in the lock. No, he's the perfect key. Hebrews chapter one: the sun is the radiance of God's glory, and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful word. So if you see Jesus, you see God. Yeah? We see Jesus, we see God. Then he's the firstborn over all creation. This is a key verse for Jehovah's Witnesses. If you've ever spent any amount of time on the doorstep with a Jehovah's Witness, then it will come round to this verse. The firstborn over all heal. They'll say, well, there it says he's the firstborn. He's talking about a physical deal, that Jesus was born as a man. So he's, a fir- he's first. Yeah, he's great, sure. But he's not God. He's, he's born, so he can't be God himself. 
Well, the context here in this whole passage is about the preeminence, the supremacy of Christ. It's about rank. It's not about birth. It's said of David in Psalm 89, God speaking about David, King David, I will appoint him to be my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. David was not the firstborn by birth, but God is saying, I will exalt him to the highest place on earth. Okay, this is Jesus. It's a picture of Jesus, exalted to the highest place. He's firstborn over creation. He has the highest rank, the highest status. No one even comes close, not even in the same realm. Can't use the same characteristics to compare him to us. He's in a league of his own. So he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And then in verse 19, it says, For in him was pleased, sorry, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. So in this 100% lived 100% God. Okay? A common view is that God is like a pie. All right, now I love pie, so I'll try not to get distracted. But pie, three slices, okay? All part of the same pie, all sort of together, but three separate parts of the pie. The truth here, that Paul is saying that all of the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus Christ. A hundred percent of God is in Jesus Christ. It's not that Jesus is a third of God. All the fullness of God dwells in Jesus. So if you cut Jesus, he bleeds God. Okay? 100% God. What's the application of this? What's the application of this deal that Jesus is in the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, he's 100% God? The application is that it requires a a total reordering of our lives, of our affections, of our priorities. Everything is reordered. Think of a great big truck that goes over a small bridge. The bridge isn't really big enough for the truck. Truck goes over and you get this sort of, you know, life a little bit. When Jesus comes into a person's life, you get a complete life quake. The whole life gets reordered. Everything goes up in the air, and it needs to be reordered in life, who Jesus is, with Jesus at the center of our lives. Now, if you've become a Christian recently, or maybe you're just thinking about becoming a Christian, this this can feel a bit discombobulating. I love that word. Discombobulating. It can feel a bit like disorientating. It's just like there's all this stuff, and you're, you're reading God's word, and you're like, oh, I've got it. Okay, that, that needs to be reoriented. That needs to be uh, reworked with Jesus as my whole journey. And sure, it's a pleasure, a joy. Just trust the process. It's a journey through life. But God will be with you in that. For those of us maybe have been walking with Jesus for a long while, sometimes our lives can get a little bit disordered. Maybe just parts of our life. And we can start to see warning signs, uh, maybe stress. Anxiety, worry, fear, maybe snapping at those around us, maybe getting too busy. These are warning signs that actually maybe, maybe Christ's not at the center of 
part of my thinking, or maybe a bit of my heart's gone astray. Jesus, submit your reorient us around him in every area of life. And at that point, submit yourself to Jesus. Say, Jesus, look, I'm really struggling with this. I don't really know why. I don't know what's going on in my heart. Ask Jesus to help you. There's, there'll be a heart thing going on there. He'll reveal it. Maybe chat to your friends, chat to your, in your life group. Work that out. But he wants to bring healing, wholeness. He wants to bring order in our lives. And to live in an ordered way is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. I've only experienced that in part and in different seasons. It's up and down. But to experience that ordered state is, is really, really wonderful. So he's the image of the invisible God. He's supreme overall to him. 100% God. And we are lo- a- we owe our allegiance to him. So he's not just supreme as God, but as it goes on to say in verse 16 and 17, he is supreme over all of creation. It's easy to look around us and think that God is no longer in control. So we hear a lot in the news, don't we, about a cost of living crisis, and we, we might feel that as well in our experience, or an energy crisis, climate change, ecological challenges, wars, government's inability to solve many problems. Liverpool have had a terrible start to the season. You know, major problems. If we just look at our circumstances with our head down, we can be filled with anxiety and fear. I know that's my experience. When I've got my head down, needing to pay the bills, needing to look after the family, put food on the table, my head quickly fills with anxiety, with anxious thoughts. In this passage, God wants to lift our heads. He wants to take us up to 30,000 feet and take a look at reality. To get us out of the, the difficulty, although obviously he cares about that, and he, he, I'll come to that in a bit, but he, he wants us to see, first of all, a bigger picture of the reality that we live in. Things in supreme over creation. Verse 16. In him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Thrones, powers, rulers, authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. So everything. Visible and invisible. The visible, we might think of the places and the people. We might think of the earth. The universe. Did you know that the sun's volume would need 1.3 million Earths to fill it? Okay, sun's pretty big. Then there's Eta Carinae, shines 90 times bigger than our sun, and it shines 5 million times brighter. Wow. We don't need Eta Carinae. We need our, our sun. To us, that just seems like, that it seems like there's so much in, in creation that is unnecessary. But God created it. It is through him and for him that creation exists. Psalm 19 verse 1 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. Creation of the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Romans 1, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. 
being understood from what has been made so that people are without, without excuse. It is all for God's glory. When we look at creation, when we look at the amazing uh, things around us, when we look at ourselves and how the, the design of the human body is to point us to Jesus, to go, man, you are glorious. When you look at the Grand Canyon or you look at mountains, you look at the vast of seascapes. It's to point to the greatness of Jesus, to bring him glory. Everything in the earth, all good things are to roll up into worship in Christ. So when you enjoy a good glass of wine, let it roll up. Thank Jesus for that wine. When you eat a good meal, let it roll up. Thank Jesus for a good meal. When you're enjoying uh, in the park or you've gone to the seaside, take a moment. Let it roll up in worship. Say, God, you are great. This is him. All things were created by him, through him, and are for him, visible and invisible. Let's take the invisible, the unseen, angelic realms, spiritual realms. In the Old Testament, there's the account of Job. Suffering servant, just a great picture of, of Jesus. We, th- we think of how in the first bit, how uh, there's God and Satan, and Satan asks permission to sift Job. Satan asks permission. It's an incredible picture of actually the power that God has, and that Satan's power is only on a leash. You can see and have created all things, all invisible things, everything that we can see and everything that we can't see. Every demonic power is subject to the power of Jesus Christ. He made it. It's no wonder that when Jesus came to earth, the seas, the waves, the wind, people, demonic powers had to be subjected to his power and his authority. He's over and above it all. So in our lives, there's nothing that is out of God's control. Nothing that God is not over and above. Nothing that God is not interested in in our lives. Nothing that God is not unable to work out for his good God and purposes and for our good as well. God, Jesus Christ, is the Lord of all creation. But he's not only before all things. It says in verse 17 that in him all things hold together. So we are completely dependent upon him 100%. So if you think about that, if we are all held together in Jesus Christ and in him alone, well, that's the reason that we don't just in this exact moment fly off into a million different fragments and then disappear. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. You are not held together by plasters and, and your bones and, and your physical structure. This is not held together by plaster and mortar and, and structure and foundations. Sure, God uses that stuff. But if God, just for a moment, lost concentration, poof, all gone. I think that's mind-blowing. Jesus holds it all together. Don't worry, we're in safe hands. He's not going to lose concentration. 
But it just gives us this picture of the majesty, the supremacy of Jesus Christ. He's vast. He's powerful. He's awesome. He's worthy of worship. He's worthy of taking center stage in our lives. I just want to give us a bit of fuel before we just come to the next point. A bit of fuel for seeing and savoring Jesus Christ, for worshiping him. Sometimes we can lack fuel, can't we? We just think, oh, actually, I'm just, I'm flat. I just need to see Jesus, and then I'll, I'll, I'll worship this book by John Piper, Seeing and Savoring Jesus Christ, is my favorite book of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. More than Harry Potter, yeah. <laughs> this book is just incredible. It points you to Jesus. Every page, I'm just left wanting to worship Jesus. It lifts him up. Buy it. Let it fuel your worship, maybe in your devotions. Let it fuel your worship. Uh, I think I need this one. Thank you. Finally, Jesus is the first of a new creation. But he so supreme as God, he's supreme over creation, but he has plans and his working plans for a new creation. That's both humanity and a new physical creation. So verse 18. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or us in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. He's the firstborn from among the dead. Jesus died, spent three days in a tomb, and then he rose again. Death could not hold Jesus. It's the core of the gospel. It's the heart of the gospel. Death could not hold Jesus. Hebrews chapter 2, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. So he became a man, the incarnation of him. But he did that so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. He's overcome Satan. He's overcome all of Satan's powers, sin and death. Reminds me of the song, death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. Jesus has overcome the power of sin. He exhausted death of it around a I think of cycling. 
I walk around, uh, sorry, I cycle around a fair amount, and there's a few hills in Norwich. I know sort of Norwich gets a bit of a rap for not being very hilly, and fair enough compared to the Yorkshire uh, Dales and stuff, or well, the Yorkshire Moors, but I, often I'll go up a hill and I'll, I'll get to the end, and I'll, I'll just be completely out of breath. I've gone at it hard, I've just tried to get to the end, but I'm completely out of breath. I've lost all of my power. At times, especially when I was first cycling around Norwich, I'd have to get off. I just lost all my power at that point. Jesus has emptied Satan of all his power. The end is certain. He can't keep walking. The, the, the end is certain. He strips Satan of his power. Satan is just hobbling around, trying to make a mess of God's plans and purposes. But he is 100% completely on a leash. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters, to know that God is in control. To know that if he conquered sin and death, everything else in our lives, God will work out. God will be sure to make it work for our good, for his glory. To die, he conquered sin and death. He had to die because the wages of sin a death, as it tells us in Romans. The wages of sin are death. That we've all turned, it says we've all turned away from God. Given ourselves to other things. We've all put other things at the center of our lives and worship those things over and above God. But for those who repent, those who turn to Jesus, they're born again. Get a new life. This is the beginning of the new humanity. Jesus was the first to rise from the dead. The firstborn from the We all follow in his footsteps. New creations. It says that in 2 Corinthians 5. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. We've been reconciled to Jesus Christ through his blood shed on the cross. So our sin is no longer counted against us. We are new creations. We are new creations. We've been born again. We'll experience another resurrection at the end. When Jesus wraps everything up, the living and the dead will be resurrected, will be caught up into Christ. There'll be the wedding feast of the Lamb. At the start of the rest of eternity, Christ will bring us together. His resurrected people, his bride, that he has beautifully prepared for him. But God's reconciling purposes don't just terminate on us. They terminate on the creation as well, the physical things that we see around. We're not just going to end up going to another, uh, another place. We're not just going to end up on a cloud somewhere. As the popular notion goes, Jesus will restore all things. It will be a new heavens and a new earth. It means this will all be restored. This will all be made more beautiful. There will be no more sin, no more death. Christ has conquered that and he will sit on his throne ruling and reigning over it all. 
Johnny, Sarah, if you guys can come. We're going to sing. It's a, it's a right response to, to the, this passage. Jesus is supreme as God. He's supreme over all creation. He's working in us and through us, and he's reconciling all things. Called him. Let us center our lives around him. Let us behold him for who he is. It's said that we become what we behold. So let's behold Jesus. Let's stand. I'm going to read Revelation chapter 21. Just the first eight verses. Let this stimulate your worship now. A new heaven. This is John speaking. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the Holy Spirit, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and will be their God. He will wipe or cry every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children for revealing Jesus thank you so much for revealing yourself to us we come to the well of life now we come to the one who will who promises to satisfy Jesus help us to center our lives around you we thank you that as we do Lord, everything comes into position. Everything becomes ordered in our lives. Jesus, we need your help in that. Pray, help us. Pray for those of us who feel that life is so disordered that, and, and hearts, minds so disordered that you just can't envisage a life any different. Lord, I pray, bring hope, bring peace, bring joy, bring life. Jesus, help us respond, help us worship you, we pray.